Welcome to Reflections from the Heart, presented by Stewardship, a Mission of Faith. Reflections from the Heart is an outreach of Gospel Reflection, a family ministry of Stewardship, a Mission of Faith. For the next 30 minutes, please join us as we break open the bread of life in the Gospel reading for this Sunday's Mass, as we invite the same Holy Spirit who inspired the biblical writers to inspire us today. And now, here is your host with Reflections from the Heart. Hello and welcome to Reflections from the Heart. My name is Rob Longo with Stewardship Mission of Faith, and I have Tom DeAngelis with me, also from Stewardship Mission of Faith, and the St. Patrick's Fund, and we have two guests, Cameron Norris, who's a regular at our Gospel Reflection, and a a new member of our Gospel Reflection, Rachel Clark. So guys, thank you so much for being here. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. It's going to be fun. For those of you who have joined us before at Reflections from the Heart, welcome back. For those who haven't, what Reflections from the Heart is, is a Gospel Reflection. So we're going to look at the Gospel for this coming Sunday, and we're just going to see what the Holy Spirit has to say to us. So when we go to Mass Sunday, we won't be... uh, surprised at what we hear. So uh, it's uh, it's awesome. The gospel is from Luke, Luke 12, 13 to 21. So if you have a chance to, to get a Bible or pull it up on your phone, Luke 12, 13 to 21. So before we jump into the gospel, Cameron, if you can open us up with a prayer. I'd love to. Thank you. Father God, thank you for bringing us together. Thank you for the people listening that you have something to say to us. You have something to say to us today and every day. So we pray that we'll have eyes to see what you're doing and ears to hear what you're saying, and our hearts will be open to you. We thank you for the love that you've given us and the ability to love others. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Awesome. Thank you, brother. And Rachel, you can read the gospel. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to share the inheritance with me. He replied to him, Friend, who appointed me as your judge and arbitrator. Then he said to the crowd, Take care to guard against all greed, for though one may be rich, one's life does not consist of possessions. Then he told them a parable. There was a rich man whose land produced a bountiful harvest. He asked himself, What shall I do? For I do not have space to store my harvest. And he said, This is what I shall do. I shall tear down my barns and build larger ones. There I shall store all my grain and other goods And I shall say to myself, Now as for you, you have so many good things stored up for many years. Rest, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this night your life will be demanded of you, and the things you have prepared, to whom will they belong? Thus will it be for all who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich in what matters to God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Lord Jesus Jesus Christ. Christ. Thank you. I, uh, I just jotted, Rachel, when you read, teacher, tell my brother. I just circled that. Uh, we have two sons, and here they're asking Jesus to make someone be generous, right, to make someone share. And uh, growing up, I would always tell the kids, you know, it's, it's not yours. It's God's. It's all God's, right? So, you know, he's, it's, it's all a gift from God, and he's letting you use it, and, you know, it's, it's a beautiful thing, and uh, it's up to you what you want to do with it. So one time I heard the boys wrestling in, in the living room, and Thomas, the younger of the two, had something he clutched in his hands, and Robbie's on top trying to get it out, and all I hear is Thomas saying, but it's God's, Robbie! <laughs> right? So, you know, everything is God's, and he 
lets us choose to be generous or not, to share or not. And uh, sometimes my kids will still come to me behind the scenes like, Dad, come on, can you let me have a turn with the, you know, this or that? Or can you, can I, can you give me a piece of this? I say, well, I can't tell him, I can't make him. You know, we can suggest and say, hey, might be nice to share, but ultimately sharing is a personal choice to be generous. And, uh, you know, if not, then it's just taking. Right. And oftentimes they'll ask you before they ask their sibling. Well, they could just ask the sibling and the sibling would say, yes, the sibling takes it and they come to you first. Mm -hmm. You're right. Which is kind of what's happening here. I mean, who knows if the guy already talked to his brother or not, but he wants the teacher, the great one, tell my brother what to do with the money. So I don't have to tell him. (laughs) It's like the gospel was last week with, uh, or a couple weeks ago with Martha and Mary. Yeah. Tell my sister right. to get in the kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't record, she told her sister. She didn't tell her sister anything. Mm-hmm. Same thing here. It doesn't record that he had that conversation. So maybe there's times where we want God to take care of some things that, that maybe we have control over. Yeah. That may, maybe they're conversations for us to have with each other. And we want God, hey, God, can you tell. Rachel and Tom and Rob something today because I want all of them to, you know. Give me part of their inheritance. Do a certain thing, <laughs> right? Yeah, I want them to bless me. Can you can you have that conversation? And, and I think sometimes we're more empowered than we think to have that conversation. He doesn't have to be the judge and arbitrator for every single thing. And I don't know about you guys, but the, the night that my life will be demanded of me, the last thing I want to hear from God is, you fool. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe uh, more like, well done, my good and faithful yeah, servant. I, 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 you know, that would be, <laughs> that'd be a little more. better. Yeah, yeah that would be a little better. But uh, two questions really hit me when, uh, you know, we, we went over this a little earlier in the week and then just rereading it again. You know, one's life does not consist of possessions. And then the question that hits me is, well, what does one's life consist of? He, Jesus tells us what it doesn't consist of, but he doesn't exactly tell us what it does. So we kind of have to figure that out. And then the last line that we read, which is, um, you know, the, you know, those who store up treasure for themselves but are not rich in what matters to God. Well, what does matter to God? You know, again, he doesn't tell us exactly what it is, but he tells us what it isn't clearly, you know, storing up treasure for ourselves is not it, you know, greed in all its forms, as he talks about up above, you know, and possessions is not what our life is not what our life is consists of, but he doesn't exactly say what it consists of, you know. So, but I do think that given that you know God is, you know, God the Father is the source of everything, and Christ is the you know the source of our salvation, and that just gratuitous generosity that we see manifested in everything that God. I mean, the fact that anything is here that we have any, that we have anything to fight over with our brother, you know, is is all because of God's you know, just gratuitous generosity. He just gives and doesn't really expect anything in return, except that we we also give to our brothers and sisters, that we then, you know, do what he does. And uh, so I think that's probably a big part of it. At least we can see some of that. And of course, in, you know, Jesus at the end, near the end of his life says, a new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So that at least gives us a hint, you know, at least points us in the right direction. But it's about... Giving, you know, being for other people the way God is. Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. What does God do? He just gives. He just is generous. He just overflows. He gives us what we need, you know, everything that we have. And that's what we're expected to do. 
it made me think of a, a gentleman that I met last week at a conference uh, who, who's an, he's an author. And when you said, Tom, Jesus doesn't, he tells, tells us what life does not consist of, but doesn't tell us what it does. Well, in this parable, mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, story, but yeah. it makes me think of, of the story mm-hmm. that he shared. He was encouraged by his students. He taught college students uh, different leadership courses, and his college students encouraged him to enter into an essay contest. And the question was, what is the purpose of life? And I was just thinking of that when he said, what does life consist of? And that that is the question. What is, you know, so what is the purpose of life? And this guy, he did submit an essay. Uh, He looked into the essay contest. And when he found out about it through the student, it was 10 days until submission date. Mm -hmm. It's a 3,500 word essay, 10 days until the submission date. And it was going on for a year. So everybody had a year head start. Mm -hmm. Anybody can submit professionals, you know, pre-published material, anything's fair game. So he starts writing and throwing out paper, writing and throwing out paper, and he's a few days out, frustrated, thinking he's not going to be able to do it. Another student calls him, how's it going? And he said, I can't get anything started. He said, well, why don't you just tell the story about Brother John that you tell us and everybody that, that would listen to you about Brother John? So this guy spent 18 years, not consecutively, but over 18 years, spent like months at a time and a Trappist monastery with the monks. Mm. And Brother John impacted his life tremendously. So he wrote about Brother John, submitted it, and won. Out of like 10,000 know, submissions, he won yeah. the contest. That's got, awesome. got flown to New York. Rick Warren gave him the, the check yeah. for $100,000 because Rick Warren wrote the book, Purpose Driven Life. And uh, I read the essay. When I met him, he, had, he turned it into a, a book. So it's a uh, like an eight and a half by 11 size book. And he has these beautiful oil paintings along with the essay. So I read it on the plane ride home. And the bottom line is that the purpose of life is to take a journey of self, of, of transform, personal transformation, going from selfishness to selflessness. Mm-hmm. And he learned that through his time at the monastery and specifically with Brother John and a specific act of kindness on Christmas Eve mass when it was raining Brother John just stayed outside with an umbrella because it rained unexpectedly, and he just waited. And he would one by one accompany people from, uh-huh. the, from the chapel to their room, and then he would just quietly go back <clears throat> and wait for the next person coming awesome. coming out to an un- unexpected rainfall and and walking them. And uh, you know, it just that's a total yeah. selfless act. Taking uh, the time too. Yeah. I right. People take the time anymore to do that. Rachel, yeah, go go on. Is that is that sometimes harder, or can we fall into greed with time? Yeah, a lot of times you can see people, or you ask someone how they're doing during their day, and they may respond with a, "Oh, you know, I'm okay." How many of us take the time to actually move forward with that to try to help them if that's what they need during their day? And Tom, the two uh, quotes that you talked about really resonated to me as well. And then we talked about the purpose of of life, and I. I often ponder that, like, what are people looking for? Well, love, happiness, acceptance. And if they don't know God, they're looking for those things mm. in all of the wrong places. That may seem right to the human flesh, but they're not right to our Lord and Savior. So I was really into uh, Pope John Paul's Theology of the Body a couple years ago, especially with young people uh, looking for love in all the wrong places. Uh, it feels like love, but... It, it can actually be a destroying force. And I look at that with material possessions, uh, with great 
money and success in life comes great responsibility. And for every penny that you put into your fortune, how can you give back to the Lord with your time if it's financial, uh, whatever that regard is. But true love, happiness, acceptance, and success comes through uh, living a life that God would want you to live and accepting him as your Lord and Savior. That's beautiful. I was thinking the same thing when I, I circled all greed. It's like, where, where in my life am, am I greedy? And and if it's, could greed be also the holding on of our possessions? Like if our possessions possess us, even if we don't have a lot, so it's not like we're greedy for gain, but what we have, we hold on to. I mean, is is that a form of greed? That you know, we're holding on. It might not be a lot, but whatever oh, yeah. we do have, we're holding on to it. <clears throat> Could that yeah. be greed? And I think when Jesus says, you know, to guard against all greed, it, there's not just one form of greed. You know, there's 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 the there's the truth. I mean, this guy has a certain level of greed. You know, there's greed that has evolved into a capital sin that where it dominates our whole life. Like it's all about acquisition and possession. And then there's also those small greeds that we have in our own life where we kind of hoard little things on it. You know, not, not too big, not, not, nothing too much, but it's just something that we're hanging on to. And I really do think that that whole arc of transformation that happens, I mean, that's really what, when we're born, we're born instinct with instincts, you know, and our instinct is to take care of ourselves, is to survive, you know, and then, and then if we don't have parents who are generous and giving and loving and caring, then we don't survive, you know, or, or we learn it reinforces our selfishness and we never learn to get, we never get on that arc to become more selfless, you know, because the whole thing is, you know, we're not born that way. So you know, as Pope John Paul talks about in the theology of the body, there's several um, chapters in that, in that book or several of his talks where he talks about, you know, there's a point where we need to develop self mastery and the self mastery is how we get ourselves out of our own instinct to want more and and be able to give without expecting anything in return because that's the essence of a truly successful um, relationship. But also, you know, it's a truly successful person who learns to do that. And that's what we have to learn to master is how to not be selfish, how to not continue to want stuff for ourselves. And I think that's why you know that's why he says guard against all greed. You know, not just it's not just one form of it. We can be greedy about you know experiences of love like. People think love is what what they get, and it's not. It's what the, it's what you give. You know, there's a point where that switch flips, and you go, "Oh, I thought it was what I was getting from everybody. It's how much I can give." And then what you get back is is like it's gratuitous. Like I said, it's not it's not owed to you. And even and if and even if you don't get anything in return, you still love because you know what does Jesus get back from us some days? You know. Sometimes not much. Yeah, sometimes <laughs> not much, you know. So, but that didn't stop him from, and didn't stop the father from giving us the son, you know, and it didn't stop the son from giving us his total self, you know. It's um, truly a parental love kind of a thankless job. Yeah. Yeah. So, what, that good example of, you know, using that word father, you know, for the father yeah. and the uh, son for the son. I was in a conversation, I wish I had. Heard this before the conversation with a with a young person, and uh, we were just sharing how difficult it is sometimes to be accepted in your own home. And this young person has gone through a, an experience of 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 starting a journey of transformation in relation to faith. Um, and there's just not a lot of acceptance uh, by her peers, 
not a lot of acceptance at home. People don't understand what she's going through. And, uh, and she said something. She said, I feel like I'm the best version of myself outside of the, of being around my family. Hmm. And, uh, and then we just talked a little bit about, you know, I said, Jesus probably felt the same way. You know, they wanted to throw him off a cliff. Yeah. Um, yeah. But sometimes where it's easier to love uh, isn't where we're called to love. You know, we're called to love everywhere. But if we only love where it's mm-hmm. easier to love, then, you know, we might be missing an opportunity to, to grow in that love right. without expecting anything. Right. And that's, that's not easy. It's not, you know, it's, uh, right. e- even if it's just a, a recognition of like, oh, well, thanks for cleaning the kitchen. Or it, we, we shouldn't even expect that. Like, it should be just total audience of one. Like Carson Wentz says, you know, the <laughs> AO1, right? Yep. Audience of one. That's his whole life's mission is whatever you do, do it for the audience of one. doesn't matter if you're practicing. You practice. doesn't matter if there's 70,000 people watching you practice or no one. You still go through the reps. You still do it, you know, with, with all the gusto you have. Do the best you can. Right? Yeah. Um, and the same in our, in our relationships and the things we do, it's because we're doing it for God. And, you know, if someone does say thank you, accept it, and you're welcome. Um, but don't expect, and that's, that's hard. That's a, that's for me. I don't know if anybody else (laughs) experiences that. Just you. (laughs) That's very true. With the, back to the Pope John Paul's theology of the body, it's like, you can't even really depend, like you're saying here, you can't depend on that kind of uh, gratification from another human being. Like it's not always something they're gonna be capable of. You could have the best supporter, the best parent, the best spouse, uh, whatever situation you're at in your life, but they're still a human being and they're not gonna be capable of that kind of love or um, that gift 24 seven. The only person that is, is God. And that's a really interesting thing to think about. And and two, if you read the, great saints and mystics who have, have written, St. Teresa of Avila, John of the Cross, and even lately, Mother Teresa, if you read her, Come Be My Light, um, there's a point in their lives, too, where they're making that conversion, but there's also a point where God says, you know, do you love me? And they say, yes, I love you. And he says, well, how about if I start pulling my consolations and my presence away from you? And things start getting, you know, because when, when we originally get, you know, like Mother Teresa had you know, several uh, religious experiences, but the last one before she founded her new order, I mean, she she was in her her 40s. She was on her way to a retreat. She had this profound experience of the presence of Jesus, changed her life again, you know, and and she left the the convent, you know, the sisters that she was with um, of Loretto, I think, and then um, wanted to found her own order. It took like two years. But then this experience that she had on the train on the way to her retreat was um, was such a deep consolation to her, and that from that point on, she never felt that as close to Jesus as she did, and it was like a, it was a sadness for her, you know, to the point where it went on for twenty years or so, and this is in her in her journals, to the point where she realized with the help of some spiritual directors that that's the next stage of love was for her. Jesus was really sharing with her his life which was toward the end of his life where he felt abandoned. He felt, mm. you know, le- left left to die, so to speak. And so it was like, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. What if I take away some of the consolations? What if I take away a little bit more? What if I take away some of the reinforcement? Do you still love me? Well, now I'm not so sure, you know. I'm not sure you love me, you know, because I'm not getting anything. 
it's that's the perfection of it. And the ultimate thing, and this this actually occurred to me a couple weeks ago in one of the gospel reflections we were talking through, and somebody talked about, you know, at the end, it doesn't make any difference anyway. You're going to lose everything. Mm-hmm. Whether, you, whether you give it up during your life and give it away generously or you don't, you hang on to it, you're going to lose it in the end anyway. Mm-hmm. Everything that you have and you are, except for your awareness, your attention, and your good deeds, you know, as we've, as we've been taught, that all goes away. Everything you have, everything you own, you know, you fool, this is all going to be taken away from you. And yet that's going to be asked of us. And, you know, so these, this selflessness that we develop over time, whether God continues to provide us a good feeling or not, is something that we're going to have to face sooner or later. So kind of like we, we die now, and then we, when we get to it, it's like, oh, I've been here before, you know, like I've already been through this desolation because that's part of And it's, you hear that from the saints all the time. You know, St. Teresa of Avila talks about it, St. John of the Cross's Dark Night of the Soul. You know, and then there's several of those that you go through spiritually. But it's just part of it's part of growing in love for God. Do you love me? Yes. How about if I take this away? How about if I take that away? Do you still love me? Yes, I still love you. How about if I take this away? Yes, yes, Lord, I still love you. There, there's a song based on it. It might be Teresa of Avila. Uh, and the, the, some of the words are, let, let nothing trouble you. Let nothing frighten you. Everything passes. God never changes. Whoever has God wants for nothing. Patience obtains all. God is enough. It's good. Yeah. And then if you and if you just put the is, if you, that last those last three words, God is enough. You just if you switch the is from the second word to the first, is God enough? Is God enough? I mean, as an examination of conscience, is God enough? And a lot of people will say, well, you know, if you if you have God in your life, then you'll be happy. If you have God in your life, you'll have joy. If you have God in your life, you'll have peace. Right. And it, so it's always like God is a means to an end, Every end. right? But is he enough? Like, God, like, I just want you. Right. Right? It's, it's not, I'm, I'm, I'm pursuing you to get this. Yeah. I think the last part of this, too, is also a question when it says, uh, it will be for all who store up treasures for themselves but are not, rich in what matters to God. So you said it doesn't say what matters to God, but I think that's an invitation to a question. I think mm-hmm. it's easy to assume relationship matters to God. I think he cares a lot about that. Part of relationship is talking to each other. I think it's okay to ask God what matters to you, mm-hmm. and I think he'll answer you. I think he'll answer me, and my life is destined for one thing. Your life is destined for something. They're not exactly the same things other than being one with Christ. But if I'm going to ask him what matters, I think he's going to talk to me about what matters for my call in my life, for my destiny, my identity, my purpose. And, and I just want to point out the first part of that sentence, it, said, it, it talks about storing up treasures for themselves but are not rich in what matters to God. It doesn't put down storing up treasures. It doesn't put down... A rich man or a bountiful, bountiful harvest. Actually, when you think of a bountiful harvest, I think of the Lord blessing something. You know, Abraham was a rich man. It, it doesn't mean he was an evil man. You could expose evil by putting riches out there and seeing what people do. You know, Jesus could pull gold coins out of a fish's mouth, but he didn't resort his life on earth to do that. He wasn't 
constantly catching fish and pulling gold out and filling up a treasure chest of gold. Yeah. Or he could yeah, turn. Yeah, we could make a business out of this. He could right? turn water into the best wine yeah. in an instant. He didn't have to grow a harvest. He didn't have to plant a vineyard and prune it. He, he Multiply had loaves all that and fishes. access. But what mattered yeah. to him? People. Right. People's lives, people's eternity, relationship with people. And I think when we can talk to God, what matters to him? I mean, I'm going to have more of a conversation with God today, but I think trust matters to him, compassion, courage, humility. I think the poor matter to him. I think my kids matter to him. I think my wife matters to him. You see what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So if we love God, we have to love what God loves the most. and people right so can you i've heard this before this isn't my own thought can you say i love god but not love people and can you say i love people but i don't love god and the lord even said how how can you love your parents more than me so we, we can choose to love things but if we if we truly have a love relationship with god will we love what he loves mm-hmm which is all, I don't know the number, 7.8 billion people on this earth. Yeah. And then when you think of it that way, Cameron, the, the verse that says you're, you're, the battle's not between flesh and blood. Yeah. Because there's a lot of things that people do that can get us really angry, upset, irritated, sus- you know, suspicious. So our battle's not between us and any person of those 7 billion, no matter how they might be railing against us. That's right. It's not between us and them. It's the evil one trying to divide us, so it's a spiritual battle. Yeah. So, for me at least, that that helps me. <clears throat> that helps me to love the people that aren't being so kind to me. Uh, is that that they're being used to try to hurt me? Right. And you know, so it's who is using them. It's it's the evil one. So. I, I love Dave David Abel's example. Um, when those people come to mind, he prays for them. That's his opportunity to say, when, when somebody's throwing a stone at him, so to speak, or uh, saying something bad about him, it's his way of saying, oh, wow, here's the enemy exposing himself. This is my opportunity that I would have never had before to take them before the Lord right now. Whoa. That's beautiful. That's beautiful, because that's a great way to take captive those temptations, whether it's temptation to anger or even temptation to lust, like if we have images in our mind. That we take take them captive and pray. Yeah, pray for them, pray for their families. And instead of carrying a bat to hit that rock and have <laughs> it go back right at them, have a glove, catch it, and take it to prayer. So God bless all of you as we continue this journey of our selfishness to selflessness. God bless. Reflections from the Heart has been presented by Stewardship, a Mission of Faith. We hope that you've been blessed and encouraged as you listen to Reflections from the Heart. If so, please consider participating in a Gospel Reflection Group. For more information on locations and times of Gospel Reflection Groups, or how to start a Gospel Reflection Group in your area, and to learn about all of the family of ministries, please visit our website at stewardshipmission.org or call us at 717-367-0100. Stewardship, a mission of faith, 
is a 501c3 nonprofit organization and depends on donations from people like you to make Reflections from the Heart possible. If you've enjoyed this broadcast, please prayerfully consider partnering with us by making a tax-deductible donation by visiting stewardshipmission.org or call us at 717-367-0100. On behalf of all of us at Stewardship, a mission of faith, thank you for listening. And until next time, may God bless, protect, and guide you on your journey home to Him.